a lot of people make a, a false distinction between happiness and holiness. What we see in Scripture in Revelation 20, verse 6, is happy and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. And actually, that is a translation of that Greek word makarios, which means happy. But most versions render this verse blessed and holy instead of happy and holy. Well, now you get what sounds like two holiness words. So you don't get that beautiful combination of happy and holy together. That's who we are in Christ. We are to be holy, and that makes us happy. We are to be happy in Christ, and we will be happy in Christ for all eternity. So holiness and happiness are fully, fully compatible. 2 Chronicles 6.41 in the New Century Version says, May your holy people be happy because of your goodness. These are fully compatible concepts. And if you're walking with Christ, if you're enjoying a holy relationship with Him, you're living a Christ-honoring, obedient life, it will not make you sadder, it will make you happier. Sadness doesn't come with holiness. Sadness comes with sin. Sin is the source of all unhappiness. Therefore, holiness and happiness are fully compatible, and that's exactly how we should see them in the Christian life. We've gotten a false idea of holiness and happiness as somehow incompatible with each other. And there's a number of reasons for this. One is, I think, we actually associate sin with happiness. We think of, oh, let's go out and have a good time. And how do some people go out and have a good time? Well, they try to find moral standards maybe to violate. But that, that's not where true happiness comes from. So the Christian overreaction to that is to say, holiness is a life that is separated from that happiness stuff. We're just going to pray and read the Bible and have church and recite verses, and we're not going to be happy, but at least we'll be holy. We'll be set apart. Well, that's nonsense. There's not that distinction between the two. Holiness feeds into happiness, and proper happiness feeds into holiness in which God is glorified. Galatians 5.22 in the contemporary English version says, God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Now, you notice the only word, even though these are in adjective forms rather than noun forms, that's different from the traditional fruit of the Spirit translations here is that second one. It's usually love, joy, and here now it's love, happiness. Well, the word that's translated happiness is a word often translated joy, but if you look up kara, this Greek word, in any lexicon, you'll see joy, happiness, delight, gladness. These are all synonyms. That's a perfectly good translation. Most translations don't use that rendering, partly because it kind of sounds unspiritual to people who have been taught that happiness is somehow a bad thing. Happiness and holiness, fully compatible. And when you are living in the Spirit and God is present in your life, you won't just have some non-emotional thing called joy. You'll have a happiness that is deep-seated and overflows. People will look at you and actually your face will show a happiness that draws people to you and to the gospel you preach. God says in his word, 
you be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. The best reason for our holiness is God's holiness. Likewise, since scripture teaches us that God is happy, that God takes delight, that God finds pleasure, we should be happy. We should have delight. We're told, delight yourself in the Lord. And as a result of that, we should look at God's happiness as a primary reason for our happiness, just as his holiness is a reason for our holiness. We are to be like him, uh, to be Christ-like. To be godly is to be like God. Sometimes I think we're kind of led astray in our thinking here because we look at happiness passages, which because of the way they're translated in the most popular Bible versions, sound like holiness passages. So Psalm 1 that says, blessed is the man who lives the godly life, doesn't walk in the way of sinners and all of that. And we think that's blessed, set apart, different, unique, sacred. But really it's that Hebrew word asher, which means happy. So happy is the one who lives the holy life. Likewise, in the Beatitudes, uh, we see in Matthew 5, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But the literal translation, Young's literal translation, uh, a version I don't normally recommend because it's, it's too literal in certain respects, but it translates it as happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And even happy are those who suffer. Happy are those who men speak evil against for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, when you hear that in English as blessed, you just think, yeah, these are holy people, because that word blessed now means that. I actually did a poll of over a thousand people on my Facebook page to say, what does it mean? What comes to your mind when you think of the word blessed? And the vast majority of people gave answers that indicated that it means some level of holiness, like, you know, the blessed Virgin Mary does not mean the happy Virgin Mary, it means the holy Virgin Mary in people's minds. So I think what we've got to do is come back to this and say, what was Jesus actually saying in the Beatitudes? What was David saying in the Psalms? When they used Asher and Makarios, they were talking about being happy in a context of holiness. They were talking about being happy in the midst of our holiness. But unfortunately, that's something that we lose in many of our popular English translations. A lot of people object to the idea of happiness from the point of view, if you're seeking happiness, then you've got to be selfish. When in scripture, we find some very interesting things when we look at some of the context of holiness and, and self-sacrifice. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it or will save it. Well, the bottom line of that is here's the way that you find your life. Here's the way that you save your life by giving up your life instead of trying to preserve it from the very beginning. So in other words, 
if you do the holy thing, the sacrificial thing, uh, this noble thing for the good of others, you will actually find your life. You'll be a more fulfilled and happy person. Self-forgetfulness is one of the things that studies have shown that is very important to a person's happiness. If they're going around all the time just thinking about themselves, life will never live up to their expectations. They'll never be fulfilled. They'll never be thankful. They'll never really be happy. It's the entitlement mentality. If you think you're entitled to something, then you're not gonna be grateful for it if it comes your way. When you think you don't deserve something, when you know you don't deserve it, then you look and see the grace of God in all the small and larger things he sends your way. A study was done in an office environment in which people were asked to name the most sacrificial people the people who did the most for others. And they were also asked to name the happiest people in the office. And sure enough, the people who sacrificed the most for the good of others, the team players, were also the happiest. Famous missionary to Africa, David Livingston, was speaking to a group of students at Cambridge University. He talked about how people considered him such a self-sacrificial person. People would always talk to him about his great sacrifices in going to Africa and living in, in primitive conditions. And he went on to talk to these students about the joy, the happiness, the pleasure, the privilege of serving Christ. And he ended up by saying to them, I never made a sacrifice. Now. Did he make sacrifices? Yes, he did. But what he was saying is that the sacrifices he made were completely outweighed by the happiness and the pleasure and the rewards of what he experienced. Romans 8:18 says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us.